Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, coming at you with a special international break edition. We know yours board is... We are. So, Dan, what better way to fill the, the boredom void than to jump on the, the mics and throw out another podcast? Look, I mean, Disney Plus crashed so many times that basically this is the only thing we had left to do, Nick. Yep. Uh, the, the weekend outside of Friendsgiving uh, has been, you know, empty. And we, we needed a special guest, Brandon, to come Indeed. and help fill our cups. Indeed, we did. And we have Marco... Mark Worrell, Gate 17 Marcos, how you probably best know him, or the man connecting everyone with at the CFC UK stall. Marco, welcome back, sir. It's been far too long. Oh, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to join you boys, uh, your burgeoning podcast, reaching out to millions of Chelsea supporters. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, reach out to tens weekly, at least 10. <laughs> Oh, Marco, I tell you what, thankfully the good news is while we haven't been able to have you on the podcast, we have been able to see you every time we go back. So lucky us that we get to usually catch up in person. Um, I'm coming to just, see you boys next summer. Oh, that, and that's right. Yeah. You're going to make the return trip if yeah, the team comes there. to America. Are there, oh, are there any cities that you're hoping get selected if it uh, does come to fruition that you really want to come visit? Um. I, I'd like to go to New York again or uh, LA. So that's your typical one-two punch right there. Yep. <laughs> we've actually got. I mean, if I play in Canada, we've got family friends that we sort of do exchange holidays with in Toronto. So if they played up there, that would be pretty epic. I, I could take the family there and leave them there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to see how it goes. But just to tee this one up for everyone out there, so obviously it's international break. We don't have a match to review. So what we're going to be doing is taking some time to review the season so far. Obviously, there is many, many, many more matches to come. Um, but we thought we'd go ahead and look back at what our you know spot-on predictions were at the preseason, get Marco's <laughs> thoughts as someone who's obviously uh, you know going week in, week out, um, get his synopsis kind of from his conversations at the stall as well as in this in the in the stadium as well. So Nick, today's overall theme for the listeners is progress report. You know, just like you would do at school back in the day. And how did those go for you? Poorly. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, today let's go ahead and talk about Chelsea's performance so far this season. Now that we're, thank you, Dan, for this number, 31.5% of the way through. Uh, we're going to revisit and revise some of our predictions we made earlier this season. We'll see how we're doing. And then lastly, and most importantly, we will touch on Marco's new book. Yes, that's right. The Prolific Writer has another Chelsea book for you to consume, and it's perfect time of year to get that book maybe in your stocking. So uh, before we do that, Dan, we were flooded Ooh. with five-star reviews in the Apple Podcast Store. Yeah, it was, you know, look... We might have been off, but those listeners were definitely not off and hitting up the Apple Podcast Love with some five-star reviews. We had Bob and Jackson. We had Edward. We had Sebastian. We had P-Lore, lots of numbers. We had Izzy Quain. We had Josh Den. We had Matthew Brad saying Seattle is also blue. Piesco Sounders. Um, P-Wrangler gave us some love. We had... Uh, Eleanor Reyes, we had Dr. Pepper 1885. Don't even know if the drink was around back then, but that's pretty impressive that they're a time-traveling Swedish beverage. Um, Aishin Mike, and then uh, Alloway 73. Yeah, thank you so much to everyone for those amazing five-star reviews. Please keep them up. It's a great way for us to get connected with other Chelsea supporters around the globe. Helps keep us in those search rankings, and also just you know makes us feel really good, Brandon. You know we like a little pat on the back occasionally. Ab- absolutely, which takes us right into Patreon. William and Daniel, thank you so much for joining us on Patreon. You will get invited to the Discord server and get some goodies. We have some new stuff coming, so keep an eye on that. We'll keep everyone apprised of any updates on that. Uh, well, so Nick, don't yeah? don't forget too. One of the key selling points of Discord right now is that we have a London is Blue uh, FIFA club that we're doing. We're doing FIFA True. Pro clubs at. You know, the late hours of the night when everyone's, you know, going to bed or whatever. So if you're interested in that, hit us up because that's been it's been fun to watch me score a bunch of goals for that team, Brandon. I know. Yeah. And and yeah, we'll, we'll not go ahead and define what really happened. But honestly, the <laughs> FIFA club has been a ton of fun. Um, we have an Xbox team trying to get a PS4 team going. That's on Dan, though. So if it doesn't happen, uh, tweet at him. Uh, but honestly, it's been a ton of fun. So just another way for us to hang out with listeners outside of the podcast. Uh, so real quick, Nick, lastly, we have some uh, promotions for the listeners. That's right. As always, you know that um, World Soccer Shop uh, London pod for 10% off your order, free shipping or customization, whatever you want to do. Uh, Talisman caps, you know that you can use code London Blue 10. And you also know if you've listened to this part of the podcast, although some people skip it, but you're just missing out, um, that we are partnered with them on their uh, $1,000 gift card giveaway. So they're doing um, 10 winners of $100 uh, gift cards a piece. And that contest runs through next week. So you only have about a week to get in on it. Um, We've been posting on social media about it. We're doing it here. But just go to Talisman Caps website and they have the promotion there. You just sign up. So do that. Dan, Nick, I want to speak on behalf of all of us when I say congratulations, Shane, on getting married. What an exciting time for you and your your missus. Um, Congrats. I hope it all went well. And all the best to you in the future. Yeah, congratulations, Shane and uh, and Leah. All right, well, here we go. Uh, season so far. So now that we've gotten through 12 of the Premier League matches this season, four of the Champions League matches, and two League Cup matches, no more there, and one Super Cup, it's time to check in on how we feel about the season so far. So at a high level, uh, let's see. So in the league, we're in third place, as you know. Um in the Champions League, we're second in our group. Not 100% through the clear there. So Marco, in all, um, kind of taking everything where we're at, I know a lot of people are using the comparison, of, well, if you'd be head of city at this point in the season and, and whatnot, um, how's it been for you so far? I think it's been exceptional. Uh, I was at Old Trafford at the opening day of the season. Um, you know, we lost 4-0 and that was, uh, you know, there was a wow factor to that in, in for, a, for a whole host of reasons. Um, and to turn it around from, you know, that that start to third in the table, um, you know, with a third of the season gone, I think that's a lot better than anybody expected, um, you know, given, given those you know, couple of early um, games where there was clearly a, a sense of a unity, but uh, the, the, the structure wasn't quite there yet. And the end, you know, 
the engine wasn't quite running properly. Um, but, you know, Lampard, give him his credit, he's fine-tuned um, that team. Everybody's fighting uh, for, for their place. Um, and, yeah, I mean, everybody that goes to the bridge now, to, to a man, woman and child, is enthusiastic. You know, you don't hear any dissenting voices um, in the same way that you did last season. Um, all of that, it's as if last season never happened. It's that good. Well, that's the interesting part to me is that, you know, we we wondered at, at the beginning of our season when we were doing kind of our preview, how competitive a team filled of youth talent and some wily old veterans could be in this ever-changing Premier League landscape. And I think, you know, you know to take yourself back to the beginning of the season, there were just a lot of questions out there and not not many answers and I think the thing Dan that I've been most impressed with to this point would be just how competitive the team has been and how they have taken care of business against teams that they should have beat and how you know against Liverpool when we were there in September how we should have got more out of that game with the best team in the league and and maybe could have won it if we would have taken our chances. Yo, you can say competitive outside of United this season so far. I mean, geez, <laughs> bogey team. Yeah, but even well, yeah. that wasn't a 4-0. I mean, come on. I mean, both times, though. That's my yeah. point. They're like our bogey team this season, which is just obnoxious. I think, I think, the re- I think there's a kind of a barometer moment coming this, uh, this coming Saturday or next Saturday when we play Manchester City. I think, you know, everybody's looking at that game um, and considering how Frank's going to set up against, you know, City's formidable front five. Um, so that, you know, that, that's kind of like the real checking point to see just what kind of progress has been made, I think. But, you know, he, 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 I, I'm just confident in, in Lampard's ability to get the team set up in the, in the right way for that game. I think even the performances that maybe we've either shown lapses or kind of given up unnecessary goals, it doesn't often feel like this team and Nick coined as the youngsters and wildly veterans is just doesn't look second fiddle often. And, you know, we looked at, you know, who we were losing with and Nazar leaving at the, you know, end of this last season and how we were going to replace our goals, how, you know, where the attack was going to find its, you know, focal point and everything has gelled in a pretty magical way. And I, I think the, you know, why, you know, you would, why would you want to be any other club, you know, I, outside of Liverpool who are kind of surging at the moment and look great, you know, even city supporters right now, I think feel really bad with what's happened to some of their players, some of the infighting peps, crazy theatrics versus Liverpool is, is meltdown on the sideline. It just, it's really like we're in a magical bubble of awesomeness. And, uh, you know, you kind of want to just hold on to this moment for what it is, Brandon. Without a doubt. Um, you know, I think it's kind of interesting, um, you know, as we talked about like our preseason expectations, I think a lot of the conversation was, hey, we'll give Frank a pass. Like, just let him get settled in. He's never managed in the Premier League, but he's played in the Premier League. Um, let's just, you know, he's only got one season under his belt. Like, hey, we'll give him a pass. And I think it's really interesting because I think expectations have changed. Like, Frank is at a point where, hey, there's no pass. Like, we're there. Like, we're right where Chelsea should be. Uh, we expect something now. And I think that's kind of a, a good thing because it's positive expectations. It's positive pressure around the team to succeed. Unlike with Maurizio Sarri last season, it was the negative pressure of, oh, we have to get top four because we're outside of top four. There's pressure because we have to win a trophy because we haven't won anything else. And this season, it's all just, it's the same expectations, just proven in a different light. And I think, Marco, that's what you're talking about, how everyone is just engaged and positive and like fully on board with the with the uh, Frankie ball train, you know, just to poke more fun at last season. But overall, um, kind of from an expectations point, what were your expectations this season and how have they potentially changed after these first 12 Premier League matches? I think um, my, my expectations were just to, to hope that Frank Lampard wouldn't have his, um, you know, rep, that whole aura of him being a club legend wasn't going to be 
tarnished in the way that Chelsea so often managed to do these things. Um, you know, sort of looking back at what happened with Roberto Di Matteo in particular, it's just that that whole dispensing with managers and, and momentarily trying to airbrush them out of uh, the history in the way that the club's done in the past. You know, that whole scenario just filled me with dread uh, that that could happen to Frank. But the, the flip side of that was, uh, you know, watching him um, and Jody, who's a big part of this, uh, at Derby, you know, you could clearly see that the two of them knew exactly what they were doing. You know, they're a kind of a year into it, they were growing into a year into it with, with Derby. Um, you know, they had a clear vision. They, they knew how to get the best out of the younger players. And just to recreate that dynamic at, at the bridge, um, you know, that, that was the objective. And, and they're achieving it. They're punching above, you know, expectation. And I think, you know, that is so gratifying for, for so many Chelsea supporters across, right across the generations from sort of, you know, old, old boys like myself who, um, you know, always cried out for uh, the, the youth to be given a chance and, and not for them not to fall through the cracks in the pavement and be overlooked by a succession of managers. Um, you know, that, that, that if the transfer ban had been not been in place, would it be any different? Possibly, you know, Lampard would have asked for a couple of players, but I still believe that, um, you know, we would still have seen the same emphasis placed on the, on the younger players coming through. Uh, and I think it's extraordinary what, what he's achieved um, with, with the team that he's got around him. Well, I think the, I think his expectations, Dan, have raised my expectations, which is usually not the order in which those things happen. Um, I think usually the fans are pushing as hard as they can for as much as they can. And, and it feels like, you know, where, whereas Frank has preached patience and has been very forthright in his, in his press conferences and, and moments where he's kind of talking directly to the fans almost. He also, you know, I think most people know how competitive he is and to lose four nil against United the first day had to light just an incredible fire under him. And, I think the results have proven out so far. Now, there, there's a long way to go, um, but so far, so good. Without a question. Uh, I think that, you know, after getting knocked out of the League Cup, he talked about how it was really about the Champions League performance and the league performance this season. That was the primary focus and target. I think we'll get another go of it again when the FA Cup fixtures start to come down the pike. But I think... This team, the the initial goal is just to be competitive. And I think now there's a sense that this team somehow amidst all the chaos or within the chaos or fueled by the chaos is capable of more than just being competitive, but is capable of achieving something with this side. And it's on the back of a amazing number nine who's showing everyone that the championship label was uh, very very unfortunately used to to slight him and a lot of other players who are finding ways to to step up and contribute from first goals in the champions league to first goals in the premier league to international performances and international goals for england it's it's really just a a a joyous ride brandon all right well as we can kind of revisit our preseason predictions, because this will be guaranteed to be fun, especially since we didn't get Marco, so he can just claim to be spot on on everything, which will be good. <laughs> All knowing. Um, so we we made some predictions of where Chelsea will finish in the in the table this season in the Premier League, and obviously uh, we have a lot more to go. But I predicted fourth, Dan predicted third, and Nick predicted sixth. Um, m- Based on where we're at, Marco, who do you think out of us three is going to be closest? Well, <laughs> I, I, I would have gone for, I would have been with um, top, a top six. So I was thinking, you know, if we, if we get fifth or sixth out of this, that would be a good place to be at the end of the season and nobody will be complaining. But, you know, as you've kind of alluded to already, um, a third of the season 
in and you know the bar's kind of been raised you know obviously Liverpool are out of sight Manchester City are, are fallible um we'll, we'll see where we are next next weekend you know Leicester City in my mind we're always going to be uh, a good side this season and are proving to be so and I think you know I, I didn't I didn't believe that Arsenal were going to seriously challenge and they're not Tottenham a little bit of a surprise that they've, they've been as poor as 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 they have um you know and, and United have got their issues I mean I definitely think you know you compare United with Chelsea and I was just reading today how they're they're, they're, they're being linked with eight possible signings in in January you know that's 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 where United are at they've got an academy as well so you know it's just contrasting fortunes at clubs and everybody you know you can see the jealousy here oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah I mean there's you know people at Chelsea have that likable edge at the moment because um of the kids coming through, but there's also quite a bit of jealousy there that, um, you know, we've got a manager who's making the best of uh, the players that he's got in the academy. I think, you know, for me, it's, um, uh, I think, you know, I think Nick, obviously you, you hit six and I'm not saying this to, to call you out on it, but I think it's because we expected other teams to be stronger than they're performing this season. Right. So, I mean, with Spurs being so poor, Arsenal, they're around, but you're not really convinced by them. Maybe Leicester surprising everyone a little bit <clears throat> that they're that high. I mean, surely that this has to change now. You've got kind of gotten a taste for for where everyone else is at. Yeah, I mean, I think my point of view heading into the year, without you know, kind of ha- having any other you know insight into how the the youth were going to play or how people like Kurt Zuma or Mateo Kovacic or Jorginho were going to step up or whatever was that we had lost our leading goal scorer and assist maker and and essentially not really replaced him. Uh, although, you know, Christian has certainly stepped up in recent weeks. It, it, you know, at the beginning of the year when you kind of put it out there, it looked a little bleak there. Um, and then we also lost David Luiz right before the season started <laughs> in like the weirdest transfer ever. And, you know, some people love that and, and some people didn't. But I, I just felt like there was a lot of growth that Chelsea would have to do as a club and the players would have to do individually to reach a top four. And uh, damn, that's, that's, that was where my head was at. And I also thought that, you know, United strengthening Tottenham, potentially strengthening, you know, Arsenal there, thereabouts, you know, it was going to be a challenge for us, but you know, that, that hasn't really played out. And I think Chelsea are right now the beneficiary of, not only having players who are maybe overperforming or performing at the level that I didn't think they could uh, right out of the gate and other clubs that we thought would be there just being terrible. Yeah. I mean, we, we all predicted Sheffield United to be fifth in the table uh, this far into the season. So uh, again, you know, just <laughs> <laughs> well, lots of cha- strange and interesting things on the table. Uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm, happy with third being where I predicted previously and where it is now. I just look, I know that eight points is a very, very large margin to overcome. But, you know, look, I I think if we can not concede as many goals because we have conceded the most in the top five uh, tied in top six for Arsenal, um, We'll, we'll go on to win the league. Like that's, that's, you know, we're performing at or around our expected goal total. We just got to stop conceding and we'll win the league this season. That that's all there is to it. That's, that's it. Huh? Dan, just stop yeah. conceding altogether. Surpri- okay. Surprisingly city have conceded the second most in the top four, which again, you wouldn't really expect from them. It's probably because their tactical fouling isn't working out this season. Unfortunately, well, for when you, when you have both center backs out injured and you're fielding interesting options at left back and right back, it's just, yeah, their, their whole defensive is a mess, which actually is one of the positive lights for the upcoming matchup. Uh, hot take. I blame Pep, uh, for his personnel decision-making. I think it's shoddy at best. He has better options. He's not using. 
Anyways, uh, goals. So we did some predictions as we're going on, and we predicted total goals and the top three goal scores. And this will be really interesting, Marco, just to just to let you react to what we had here. So last season, Chelsea scored 63 goals uh, in the Premier League. So right now, Chelsea currently have scored 27, which is a little over 40% of last year's total. And obviously, we're less than a third of the way done with the season. So I predicted 60 goals. And my top three goal scores in no particular order were going to be Pedro, Barkley, and Giroud. Dan had predicted 70 total goals. His goal scores were Barkley, Abraham, and Pulisic. And then Nick had predicted 63 goals with Callum Hudson-Odoi, Barkley, and Pedro being his top three goal scores. Uh, Marco, give us your judgment. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, I had a bet at the start of the season that Tammy Abraham would be Chelsea's leading goal scorer. And I got odds of six to one. And that's looking very good now. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, bu- you're buying some dinners and drinks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I did actually think that um, he was going to be Lampard's go-to striker this season. I mean, obviously we knew there was going to be a transfer ban, so there wasn't going to be a player uh, signed. But I think it was pretty clear from you know the, those first few um, pre-season games that it, it was going to be Tammy. And, um, you know... It, how gratifying is it to see that kid scoring goals? Um, I guess you, I guess you, you know, if I look back to my time watching Chelsea, I remember Kerry Dixon. Um, I saw most of his uh, goal, most of the goals he scored for for Chelsea firsthand, and um, you know he he had the knack of even when he didn't play particularly well, the ball could hit him and on the shin and it would go in. And he'd score the winning goal, you know. And, and there's a bit of Tammy in that. He can have a quiet game and just score score the winning goal or score a goal. And, you know, that's what you need. You need a striker who's lean, who's hungry, who makes a nuisance of himself in the box um, and, and can ripple the net. And Tammy does all, ticks all those boxes. He did it prolifically in the championship. You know, he, he got that. He, had, he went to Swansea at a bad time. They were coming um, out of, uh, you know, they were getting relegated that season. So, and he was still a bit younger then. But, uh, you know, I, I firmly believe that Tammy was going to be the man for Chelsea this season. And, and provided he stays injury-free, I can see him, you know, why can't he score 30 goals? You know, the last, the last two players to score 30 goals, or only two other players have scored over 30 goals in a season in the Premier League era and that's Dropper and uh, and Kerry Dixon so that's pretty good company if uh, Tammy manages to do that as a 22 year old in my humble opinion <laughs> 10, 10 and, 20, and 12 games is a hell of a return from him uh, as you look at this look my two out of my three are probably gone in January so I'm dead in the water right Pedro and Giroud gone Barkley no, he's obviously had his injuries but he's nowhere near the starting Damn lineup it. Yeah. Uh, Dan is continuing to be obnoxious with P- Abraham and Pulisic, who are one and two right now. Um, boop, boop. But Nick, probably the one that we all completely missed, Mason Mount, number three right now. Yeah. Um, you know, when you kind of look at the, the goal scorers, Tammy at 10, Pulisic at five, Mount at four, William at two, everyone's favorite midfielder in Golo Conte at two, and, and Marcus Alonso at one. Uh, tied with a bunch of others. Although I think Fakayo Tamori should count as three uh, from where he <laughs> hit that from. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's it was interesting because uh, this has been kind of a a goal scoring and you know by committee team. Um, Tammy also you know kind of being the beneficiary of that. But Mount had a really strong start, scored a, a you know a decent amount of goals. William came on for a bit. Pulisic has come on for a bit. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of the progression. But I would anticipate that that Callum will get a few here pretty quick, and I'm, he's my only hope as well. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping that he he makes me look better than I currently look. I mean, someone's got to help you out. You know, some yeah. someone's got to step up no one, and, and dig out. A no little one's bit. helping you out. That's for sure. None, yeah. none of the above. Dan, um, clearly, you probably wish you had the opportunity to play Mulligan on this one. So, uh, 
<laughs> not not quite. Uh, uh, I think the only thing is the the Barkley shout we all got wrong. It was it was a preseason flash. We all we all got the glitz and the glamour of preseason. Ross the boss Barkley just completely bedazzled us, bewitched us, and uh, we fell under a spell. And uh, thankfully, Frank Lampard didn't because uh, Mesa Mountain has clearly been the better player this season. How lovely is that? All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, When we get back, we're going to talk about clean sheets, who will play the most minutes for Chelsea. That'll be a really funny player this season, most improved, all that stuff before we get into the main event, which is Marco's book. So thank you to the sponsor for financially supporting the show. We appreciate it, and we'll be right back. All right, so clean sheets, Marco. Are clean sheets that big of a deal to you? I know Lampard <laughs> had said he could care less as long as you're winning by two, three goals a game. Yeah, I think um, my answer to that is, you know, when, when you can, there are ways of conceding and ways of conceding. And if it's, you know, if it's a world-class strike and you just look at it and go, wow, fair enough. But when it's ropey cent, uh, zonal marking, you know, at, at a corner, or failing once again at a set piece um, to, to pick up players. You know, if that's happening every other week, which, in fairness, it, 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 it tends to do, um, you know, you kind of think, well, is, is that going to change? Now, I know I mean, there's, there's a more settled look now to the centre-back pairing with um, Tamori and Zuma. Because Frank was kind of mixing it up a little bit uh, at the start. We had Christensen, and it wasn't, you know. And then obviously, with with the beating, uh, um, Old Trafford kind of harming everybody's confidence, you know, notably Zuma. Um, he he's come back now. So I, I, I don't know, it's, again, sort of get get back to this Manchester City game. You know, I think um, when you do your podcast next weekend. I think you'll be having that discussion about the defence and wasn't it amazing that we went to the Etihad and kept a clean sheet or, Jesus, another four. Um, You know, who knows? Who knows? It's hard to say. You know, we shipped four goals against Ajax not that long ago. So that that defence isn't what it should be every game yet. Uh-huh. I obviously as a goalkeeper I'm a little bit more sensitive to them, but we just even had some news that Lampard wants to bring Shay Given, uh former Premier League uh talk about the his, the number of his appearances is is just insane. Uh Lampard had him at Derby last season is looking to bring him in just as we have an underperforming goalkeeper in Kepa this season, which I think is a fair discussion, but getting back to clean sheets last year as a squad, Chelsea had 14, and I would say we had a leaky defense last year. You guys can tell me if you think I'm wrong. So right now, we're only at three. Chelsea are only averaging a clean sheet once every four matches. So if this trend holds, we're on pace for about nine or ten this season, and our predictions were myself with 14, Dan with 17, and Nick (laughs) with 12. Uh, anyone want to jump in right away on the Keppa leaky defense or your prediction? Dan, you're just, just aimed high. I aimed high. <laughs> sure Dan, did. you're just 14 out. You're, you know, they could do it. <laughs> um, I clearly was the closest one here. Um, but I will note this has been a weird Premier League year too. Like it feels like there are leaky defenses bar Sheffield United uh, across the board. And, you know, even you know Manchester City having five clean sheets is just more more indicative of their dominance on the ball than it is their defense. Um, so I, I would anticipate that they wouldn't end up with so many this year. But yeah, Chelsea having three right now. Although the defense has improved, we st- we still give away you know the odd stupid goal where people switch off and. You know, I would anticipate it being closer to 12 than it would be to 17 at the end of the year. The uh, the averages work in your favor because at the current rate, it's about 9 or 10 that we'll end the season with. So, yes, good job, Nick. Got one right. I got one right. Maybe. I Look, I, I was just optimistic. Maybe. I was optimistic that we would settle down. I didn't necessarily know we were going to try a couple different formations and know we were going to kind of have some center back injury issues. And this was also uh, predicting that we were going to still have Dava Louise. So there was going to be a little bit more continuity in the back. 
Clearly, that script shredded just straight through the shredder. Different idea. And uh, yeah, but I, I, I will say it probably regresses down. I, I think it'll probably overperform the 10. I think we'll end up somewhere in like the 13, maybe closer to Brandon's 14. Um, as we continue to stabilize, uh, you know, if this Reese James at right back, as be it left back situation does end up kind of taking hold and we do have some solidity. I, I think that's the important thing will be solidity across multiple games will produce clean sheets. Well, we haven't had N'Golo Kante around much this season. Haven't had Antonio Rudiger minus one match this season. Two players that you would have expected would have been there and contributing to that. Um, Marco, I just want to give you a quick shout. I was listening to the fan cast this last week, which you had made an amazing appearance on. And the discussion of N'Golo Kante and a potential 100 million plus bid arose in your your podcast episode you want to touch on that a little bit yeah 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 i mean it's you know the kante thing's quite interesting um just in terms of the evolution of chelsea this season where kante has been um a bit part player because he's been hampered by injuries um so we kind of had to make do without him and you know you that the jorginho uh kovacic um, and then Mount floating around, uh, you know, it's kind of like overarched the, the, the need for Angolo Kante. But, um, you know, again, getting back to this City game, you know, who, who is Lampard going to rely on to shore up that, that midfield, Angolo Kante? But, um, you know, if, if he continues to have these issues with injuries, Given the age that he's at, um, you know, if Real Madrid were to come calling with 100 million, would that make good sense to take that money when you, you know, you're looking at the likes of Billy Gilmore, um, you know, Mount? Obviously, there's a, there's a lot of players um, potentially that could come through. Um, but then, the, you know, the flip side of it is, you know, in my mind, he, he's he's Chelsea. He's probably Chelsea's only truly world class player. Um, what does that mean selling him? So it, it's an interesting one and it, and it will continue to be interesting unless he puts a run of games together, um, you know, and he's playing week in, week out. Uh, if he does that, then obviously he's nailed and he's back in the side and all those discussions go away. But if he's not, if he's not playing in the team, then, you know, maybe, maybe you have to consider, um, Marco, I, I I love it. I think my only my only piece would be when you looked at you know the other big game that we played, which was against Liverpool in September, and he featured and was by far the best player on the pitch that day in my mind. It reminds you because we haven't seen him and we all have recency bias. It reminds you that he is a cut above the you know. I think the rest of the team, frankly, um, that's it. He's, he's, he's the only genuine world-class player that, that, that we have right now. Not saying other players can't get there. Totally. But, but he's the man. Well, and yeah. And the other option is look, the team has shaped itself. Now we're, we're actually less concerned about the midfield than other areas in the team. So to your point, Marco, it's okay to sell a world-class player. If you then bring in another world-class player, cause you're going to get world-class you know, fee for him. Can you take that money and invest it to help the squad in a different area, Nick? So I think that's probably the biggest caveat is we're only willing to let N'Golo Kante go if we're going to get someone at the same level, maybe in a different position of a team brought in. I I would say this. I would say this. If Ruben didn't also have injury problems, I would be less worried. But he does, and clearly does. He's yeah. coming off of a big one. Yep. Because that's the other guy that we haven't really mentioned yet because we all have recency bias and we haven't seen him play this year is uh, the guy who I think was our most improved player last year, which was Ruben. Um, you know, given, given this setup, Brandon, in a midfield two, Ruben might be unbelievable. But, you know, we don't know that yet. And I don't think... Frankly, at this point, Dan, you can disagree with me. I don't think we sell N'Golo for the sake of bringing in Billy Gilmore, um, you know, because I, I just 
I think you just keep the momentum train rolling and you can't have enough world-class players in your team. It's tough. I think it's going to have to be assessed at the end of the season and we'll have to figure out where his fitness is, how healthy he's been, how instrumental. Obviously, we're also watching Kovacic continue to evolve before our eyes in terms of his kind of brilliance on the pitch this season. And so I think there's there's too many factors to say, yes, sell Conte today or no, don't sell him. But I, I think it is something the club would probably listen to. And I mean, again, the club, it does a lot of smart business. And, you know, um, as a uh, Patriots fan, I am always a fan <laughs> of the uh, get rid of them a year earlier uh, versus allowing yourselves to get caught up in the, you know, adoration for an individual player and maybe keep them too long. Well, I'm going to end it with this. No, Nick, we haven't seen Ruben on the pitch, but damn, have we seen him in that Gucci stuff and that Burberry. <laughs> that guy's modeling career is on point. Ruben, go Ruben, get it. Ruben Loftus, chic. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh. I wish you had that one. That was great. Uh, I know. I'm mad at that. Anyways, I, I love it. how that all digressed from the clean sheets, but I think that just goes to kind of point out, like, it, clean sheets definitely isn't just a goalkeeper defender type thing. It's uh, definitely the midfield Yeah, of course involved. you would say that. I'm being honest. All right. All right. All right. Anyways, my favorite one so far is who will play the most minutes for Chelsea this season. Honestly, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we have better ones to talk about. But yes, I said David Luiz. You two took the easy way out and said Keppa like a bunch of dummies. Um, yes, Keppa is in lead with 1,080 minutes played, followed by Mason Mount on 1,040, and then Aspie is at 990. So just so you know, David Luiz for Arsenal also has 990 minutes played. So just nope. saying he's top three, nope. he'd be were, were tied. Were you betting that he would um, sabotage Arsenal and therefore you look, were counting his minutes as Chelsea minutes? The like, way what, it's being what, played out, it looks work? like he's Agent Luiz and I'm all for it because <laughs> clearly we have now infiltrated Arsenal for what, the fourth year running, fifth year with Czech as well and, and anything else we do with them. Um, but it, look, it, it dumb, dumb. Anyways, more exciting things. Uh, Marco. <laughs> Chelsea's player of the season. We here said some silly things. Some of us not so silly. I said William. Dan said Mount. Nick said Pedro. Clearly the winner. Huh. <laughs> how, thing, how things have changed all of a sudden. Did you say Pedro after that scorpion kick in the preseason friendly? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I forget when we recorded this, but yeah. Oh, man. I think Williams, Williams, not a bad shout because talk about a player who um, I think Frank's deconstructed and reconstructed William. And I know a lot of people are of the opinion that he stepped out of Hazard's shadow. Um, but, you know, that's another big plus for Chelsea as a senior player. I mean, he's the daddy of the team now, isn't he, at 31? Lampard um, wants an, an extension for him too. Well, yeah, but, you know, he why not? Um, you know, Messi's 32, and I know Messi's not William, but, you know, there, there was a very good reason why all these top clubs around Europe, while, while um, plenty of kids on Twitter were castigating William and, uh, you know, there were plenty of other clubs willing to take him, the player's got ability and, you know, watching... Watching him, you know, when he was captain the other day, um, he just leading by example. He tackles back. Uh, he's grafting. He's creating. You know, he's, he's doing everything that Frank needs a senior player to do. Um, and you know that that that's brilliant. And uh, full credit to um, Lampard for doing that. And I I, I think it's I, I mean I think the player of the year will probably go to one of the younger players because that's sentimental and Williams won it before. But, you know, if he carries on the way he's going and let's say Chelsea managed to, um, you know, win the FA Cup or, or, you know, achieve, punch, continue to punch at the level they're punching at at the moment, you know, Williams going to be a big part of that. So uh, could be a good shout, that. Yeah, I think Tammy probably is in the lead right now, but not far behind in my book would be uh, Jorginho, and then not far behind after him would be Kovacic. Um, I think you look at the spine of the team and where we're having some success and where they're building relationships, and I think you're starting to see 
those players really stand out, Dan. Dan, you're just going to sit on your laurels again with another solid prediction? Jeez. Look, you know, uh, when you make good predictions, you don't have to go back and edit the past. Yeah, all right, cool. Well, last one we had was Chelsea's most improved player from uh, season to season. I... You just give me the award now, gentlemen. I mean, I will let you read them off to me so I can bask in this moment. I mean, well, uh, Brandon said himself, because uh, he was thinking about player caps on the podcast this season. Uh, you know, probably right, uh, Nick. I think that was accurate. <laughs> <sighs> um, Brandon said Kovacic, um, which is uh-huh. a very hard to beat one. Dan said Callum, which has not yet materialized, um, but very well could. And also I said, said, he he is second in assists in the Premier League for us this season. Like you know, I know he's not sparked completely, but yeah, I'm just saying he's he's not he's not to where you would expect. Correct, you know his level. Um, and then I said one that was like really good at the beginning of the year and still could be pretty good, which would be Emerson. Um, if if we remember back one month ago before he got injured, like he was he was the star of the show at the beginning of the year. He was awesome. So. Um, I wasn't too far off, I don't think. Marco, what's your take on the uh, potential most improved player? Obviously, we're giving you a 12-match head start on this. Um, well, I think Kovacic is kind of head and shoulders um, above the rest at the moment. Uh, but, but, you know, I just think um, maybe Jorginho as well. But yeah. I, I think that part, part of the reason for that is I don't think they've become better players I just think they're being allowed to play in a less rigid system. Um, you know, if, if, if Sarri was still the manager, we'd still be playing the same way in every game. Um, whereas, you know, Frank, Frank mixes it up. Um, you know, he looks at the opposition and puts a game plan together to, to, to play against that team. You know, which really makes a lot of sense, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but to, to do it the other way... You know, frankly, it was uh, you know it was, it was arrogance on the part of Sarri, um, and he'd probably get away with it at Juventus because he's got the best squad in the league. You know, and, that, and that's you know that's that's the way it happens. But I think Frank's approach is far more pragmatic, um, and I think he's you know really looked at every member of his squad, uh, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and how they can improve the team. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's allowing them to play in that way. And, you know, that's that's the mark of a, a brilliant manager, um, you know, and he's uh, he's still learning his trade. So cr- credit to him. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd, I'd go with the Kovacic pick, definitely, um, in terms of uh, what he's bringing to the team now. Right. I think the Georgina one's interesting because the, the fans just – he he was associated so, you know, directly with Maurizio Sarri. Even though he put out his own interviews that said, "Hey, I'm my own player. I know I came with him, but you know, I have more to offer. I'm different." We're seeing it now. The fans. I mean, you're there seeing his name during the season. What a turnaround it's been for him. I think the reason that people look at Kovacic is because he was more of a, a bit part player. Now he's becoming very integral to the the team. And that's probably why he gets the nod. But, you know, from Jorginho, he's got to be loving life, this new kind of uh, way that the Chelsea fans are responding to him. So we'll have to see. Uh, thankfully, designated penalty taker now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the good, the best part about this season is we have so many people up in the running for this. And that's what's making this season so exciting is that, you know, you could have a handful of most improved or best player of the season. And, and that's great. Great, great, great for us. All right, so to wrap the wrap up our predictions, let's just go and say uh, 12 matches in, seeing where Chelsea at, give me a number, a position in the table you think Chelsea will end. Uh, Marco, we'll let you go last. So Nick, first up, you had sixth. Where do you think Chelsea will be now? Fourth. All right. Fourth, fourth is a good spot. Um, you know, I think aligns expectations, and it really is solely dependent on how Leicester – continue to either drive forward or not uh, if if they kind of fall off then i could see a third um but um you know right now they look at our level um maybe a tighter defense so um i think that's fourth is a good adjustment all right dan you want to update yours you had third uh going to one 
I, I you mean, said it. Look, it's permanent. Sorry, we, it's recorded. We, we live in the chaos, enjoy the chaos, embrace the chaos. Chelsea do magical things when it comes to fruition, and eight points is not insurmountable. Chelsea win the Champions League this season before they win the Premier League. So, <laughs> hey, I'll take that too. Either or. <laughs> that was the other bet I had at the time that I backed Tammy Abraham to be the top goal scorer, thirty to one. On Chelsea to win the Champions League. Oh, love Ooh, it. Marco. <laughs> well, real quick, my mine is I'm going to hold firm at fourth. Uh, I like it. I think it's also gives us a little bit of wiggle room. Um, I can't see Man City completely falling off. I don't think Leicester will hold the entire season. But look, they don't, they're not in Europe. They, they've got nothing else to focus on. So I think they're yep. going to be tough uh, to overcome. And I think we'll do well in Europe. So I think that we'll have a couple of things to juggle. So Marco, uh, where do you think Chelsea will end in the Premier League this season? I think we'll end fourth. All right. I'll tell you what, one funny little point, just looking at the table now. If, if, if you had to guess, if somebody had said to you after the Manchester United 4-0 mm-hmm. that Chelsea would be two places above Sheffield United in the, <laughs> in the November international break, you'd have been crying. <laughs> Yet here we are, two places above Sheffield United in the table. <laughs> and third. <laughs> wow, did not. Only at Chelsea. Honestly, not, you know, good for Sheffield. Never, never would have seen that coming. Um, all right, well, let's go ahead and move on to Marco's new book. It is called uh, Liquidator. It is a 1969-1970 season, a Chelsea memoir. Uh, Marco, it is available for all of our fans to get on Amazon or wherever they live. To get the real experience, though, you should get to the CFC UK stall. Get it in person. Well, that's always nice. <laughs> Visitors from across the globe always welcome on match days for pre-match banter, as you know yourselves, boys. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, Do you want to give a quick kind of overall synopsis of maybe what your inspiration for writing this one was um, and, you know, kind of just a little taste of, you know, what a lot of listeners can expect. You know, our audience is mainly international fans. So there's a lot about Chelsea's history that we just don't know. And we're slowly learning. And obviously the gate 17 publishing company does an amazing job at helping us, uh, learn about these, these times and in the club's history. Yeah. So really, um, I mean, th- th- this was 50 years ago now, this, this, this particular season, which was quite pivotal. In, in the club's history, being, being it was the first time that the club won the FA Cup. Um, and to, for me, it's been a privilege to, to, to write this purely because capturing um, the memories of uh, a bunch of guys uh, who, who went to the games that season and sharing with, with the readers, the, the idea is that you're going to the games with these guys, they're not, they're, they're not it's not just a description of um, a match description. You actually go to the games with these guys. Um, this was a time there was no internet, no mobile phones. Football was on television twice a week. Um, so to, it's a completely different, um, the whole football experience was completely different uh, 50 years ago. So what I've tried to do in this book is convey um, what that experience was like. Um, you know, and obviously it's centred around this, this run to the FA Cup final. Um, and, uh, you know, there's kind of pretty vivid descriptions of um, the, 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 the pubs and the clubs. A lot of the pubs have gone now. Um, the, the way the players interacted with the supporters, you know, quite often they, they'd be in the pub before the supporters after the game. You know, all of these kinds of things... Um, I've tried to capture, uh, you know, kind of. I mean, people have heard of Peter Osgood, obviously. Um, just, just to capture that whole Kings of the Kings Road style and and um, the, the passion that the supporters who'd been starved of success had had for uh, the football club and the way they supported it, the way they travelled to support the club, and also kind of you know anecdotal stuff. I mean, the book's entitled Liquidator and. Um, you know, everybody's familiar with that tune. It's the tune that Chelsea uh, run out to. Um, what you get uh, within the story is kind of the story within the story about how um, that track 
began to be played at Stamford Bridge and kind of the reaction that it got and how other songs that were being played uh, by Pete Owen and Dave Scott, who were the, the, the pre-match DJs, were kind of assimilated by the guys on the shed and turned into chants of the day. So all of that is built in there, and there's kind of um, a couple of layers where, um, you know, I, I come into this as a young, as a, as a kid who's, who's got to know these guys um, uh, as a teenage Chelsea supporter. So I've, I've, li- I've lived through all these stories. Um, so to get to put these on a page, um, on pages, you know, at a time where if, if it's not done now, it's never going to happen because, you know, pe- people don't live forever. So it's kind of similar with a lot of the stuff that we put out on Gate 17. It's just colouring in um, those blanks that if, if they're not done, nobody will ever do it. And people who want to learn about the club's history, um, hopefully, you know, can take a dive into one of these books and um, enjoy them. So let, let's rewind just a minute here, Marco. Um, you know, the 69-70 season, Kings of the Kings Road, you know, we hear about this all the time, but, you know, could you maybe give us a sense of how important this season was for Chelsea and, and just the kind of, you know, supporters POV that you're bringing to um, fans through this book? It's interesting. It's an interesting time now that, um, you know, Frank Lampard's, uh, building a Chelsea team with with young players because he has to. Uh, kind of Chelsea in um, the Tommy Doherty era, he built a young side, um, you know, the likes of Peter Osgood, Ron Harris, Peter Bonetti, John Hollins, all, all these players, obviously, that, that people will know of. Um, and it was kind of... They had to win something. They got to the FA Cup final in 67. They lost to Tottenham. Peter Osgood had broken his leg um, at the start of that season and missed out. So it was kind of, when were Chelsea ever going to win anything? And in fact, there was a, there was a, there was a, a music hall uh, kind of comedian who um, he, uh, in the 30s, he, he wrote, he penned this song called On the Day That Chelsea went and won the cup and it's full of ridiculous things that would happen if Chelsea ever won the cup because they never, <laughs> they, never they were a musical joke. So Chelsea supporters had to live with that. And at that time, um, you know, the vast majority of people um, who, who went to the bridge uh, lived within the area. Um, so, you know, it was a, there was a community aspect to, to the club um, and that's kind of also comes through in the book. There was an estate called the World's End, uh, or the World's End place in, in uh, Chelsea, which was very different back then. You know, there were factories, hadn't been gentrified. So it was a real, you know, working class football club, t- totally different to the, to the way it is today. So it was just a way of um, everybody pulling together. But always leaving empty-handed. There was nothing there. And then finally, you know, there was a sense of belief and that comes through on in, in the book. With, with every round of the cup, um, you know, the, the belief is growing that, you know, th- this is it. This is going to be our year. Um, and then obviously it is. You know, after a, a phenomenal cup final uh, at Wembley that goes to a 2-2 replay and then, to a replay after a 2-2 draw and you know then you've got this replay at Old Trafford midweek um and all these people go up to to Wembley to to cheer on the blues it's uh, it's you know it's, it's quite extraordinary the lengths that people went to to go to games then um and all of that's kind of conveyed in in the book because you 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 live in it with with the guys going to the games rather than it just being the detail of those games. So, you know, Marco, as you think about all the stories that, you know, Tommy and his friends, you know, were collected through the memoir that you put together, uh, you know, you being a, a younger, a child during this time frame, was there anything that 
you learned or surprised you about what it was like to follow Chelsea like during this time period? I know you mentioned like the travel, the lengths people went, but is there something specific that you'll call out as like generation generationally, this was what it meant to, or this is the surprising fact you wouldn't know about what it meant to follow Chelsea at this time. I think, I think the, the interesting thing is now we, we, we just take forms of communication for granted. So, you know, you you have a WhatsApp group of supporters who go to games. So let's meet in this pub at, uh, at this time. Oh, I'm running late. There was none of that there. And yet, you know, you've got groups of supporters all, all getting to to um, King's Cross Station at, at the same time that, you know, that they'd arranged at the game the previous week. Not, not that they'd been talking to... You know, on, on WhatsApp or on Twitter, um, there was none of that. So it's just the, the way they mobilised and organised themselves um, to go to games, and the, you know, the, the, the kind of the, I mean, you you guys might think, you know, obviously you come to the games, you travel across from the states, and you love the camaraderie um, that, that that you can get involved with. But that's kind of all organised. The, the spontaneity um, that you know, if you've agreed to meet somebody two Saturdays previous at three o'clock, uh, sorry, at two o'clock in um, you know in in a pub, that they're going to be there, and they are. Uh, just people were always there, and that that is kind of quite remarkable. Um, you know that that sense of time. So, you know, as you've As you published a lot of books and as you've helped other Chelsea, you know, season ticket holders and match goers and, um, you know, people over there uh, produce and and publish all these books. Are there other I'm just trying to like get an idea of like where this kind of falls in because you guys are getting close to covering most of the decades with it. I mean, yeah, what? we've got, um, we've got the, the, there's a there's a book being done about the '90s at the moment, which I'm going to publish next summer. That's great. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I don't Chris Wright on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's come up with that idea, and then you're right. Yeah, it's kind of um, I, I'm doing a book about this season in in the sim, in a similar style to the books I did about the two Conte seasons. Um, but yeah, I think I'll I'll just. I'm going to start writing fiction, <laughs> non-Chelsea stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying we're going to have like the Gate 17 Encyclopedia Britannica box well, set it, soon. This is there. I, I think I, I don't know. I think there's over 30 books. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, outside of this one, which I think is really cool. Which I just want to go ahead and shout out again. Like th- these are memoirs from match-going fans, right? Mark, you said you were nine when this was going on. So you're yeah, able to yeah. really share these like very personal like experiences and stories from people who were living it back then, which I think is such a cool perspective in POV versus going back and even you know getting it second, third hand, or just maybe even reporting on factual things. And so again, I just want to shout that part out of why this book sounds really, really special amongst all your other you know greatest hits that you have in the library. Yeah, no, I. I- you know, I really enjoyed writing it. Um, I think the feedback's been good so far, particularly from people who uh, went to the games in that season, who sort of it's reawakened their their, their memory because it's kind of fifty years ago. You know, it's a long time, so to, to sort of relive it in the granular detail that um, it's kind of tra- transposed onto the pages. Is, is great for them so yeah i mean you know i hope people enjoy it without a doubt uh well marco you know again where is the best way for all of our listeners who are looking to get their hands on this or many any of the other books that, that you have to offer well the the interesting the the, the latest books um that we published in gate 17 are now available um through amazon's print on demand platform so for example, you guys in the States, it's actually printed in the USA now, so that cuts out all the postage charges, which used to be a problem for international supporters mm-hmm. wanting to get hold of the stuff. So 
you know, literally, I, I think anybody anywhere should be able to buy the last lot of Gate 17 um, releases in that way. And obviously, www.gate17.co.uk, you can see the full catalogue there. Um, and obviously, if people are coming to games, I'm quite happy to do deals at the, at the, at the fanzine stall. I don't mind, you know, or, or people who prefer digital versions, they're all available as downloads, uh, as Kindle downloads. Um, so there's, you know, many different ways to to, uh, to get hold of um, or the, 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 the catalogue, the growing catalogue. Yeah, that's great. Well, well, we'll publish those links. We'll put them out on social media as well because we want That's everyone, right. yeah, everyone to have a chance to to read those and get their hands on it. Uh, but Marco, thank you so much for hanging out with us on this international break. Congrats to uh, the England team for advancing in the Euros. I meant to ask you, boys, how are you feeling about Pulisic? Ooh. <laughs> well, I'm glad we see this at the very end because uh, <laughs> we've been. Uh, been a little rided this season for uh, for our enthusiasm for our fellow compatriot, and yeah, I think we're we're all over the moon. I think we're excited at what he's accomplished. The fact that he went through a little bit of initial um, challenges, I think, only makes it a little bit sweeter too that he's seeing the success right now. Yeah, I think it's, it's superb. Great attitude, good talent, and um, making it happen. Don't want what else do you want from a player? Brilliant. It's hard to ask for too much more. Um, but anyways, Mark, thank you again for joining us. Chelsea fans, thank you so much for listening. Go follow Marco on social media. Go buy all of his books. Support the team over there. Uh, and until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.